Amen. Man, I, I tell you what, I just, you know, <clears throat> after 32 years of ministry, preaching for 32 years, I feel like I have two messages. <laughs> Man, after 32 years, you ought to have a ton of messages. I feel like I got two messages. And it's everything you can preach about the Spirit of God and everything that you can preach about the Word of God. I can't find anything else. There are a lot of different types of messages, but they're all, they're all in the foundation of those two right there. Without the Word of God, you have nothing to be revealed to you. But you have the Word and no awareness of the person of the Holy Spirit and what His job is in our life, then you don't have the revelation of the Word. Get the knowledge of the Word, but the knowledge of the Word does what? It puffs up. It puffs you up. But the combination of those two. Jesus said in John somewhere, He said, What the Father's looking for is those who worship Him in spirit, and in truth. You've got to have them both. You've got to have the combination of the Word and the Spirit. Mm. So, right now on Wednesday nights, we're on, the, we're on the Word part. And title of our series that started last week is Words Are the Keys. Words Are the Keys to our success in life, our ability to overcome in life, words are. And I, I just, you know, oh, I, I, there's so much I see about this, and I could, man, I could go in so many different directions, but I want to I wanna stay grounded in this and stay on top of what we need to see here because there's some things specifically that we need to see. Last week we talked out of Matthew 16, and uh, last week we started in verse 13, and I won't, I'm not going to go all the way back there, but, but, you know, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? And some, John, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets, who do you say I am? Peter jumped up and he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was his answer. That, those were his words. Those were his words. What came out of his mouth came out of the inside of him. Because then <clears throat> he said in verse 17, he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it. It's not just the knowledge of who you think I am, but my Father who is in heaven. And on, he said, and also I say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On this rock of revelation. And I want to read verse 19 in the Amplified. And he said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind 
whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose and declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. He said, what I bind and what I loose. What Peter said came out of his heart. What Peter declared came out of the inside of him. And what we have to have is the Spirit of God revealing truth to us. That's why, again, we always go back to talking about our daily routine and the importance of it. Because it takes a while for anybody to really even understand what a daily routine in the Word of God is. A daily routine in the Word of God is not just reading the Word, but it's, it's taking the Word and molding and processing it in a way that it ministers to you when you speak things out of your mouth. You have to hear it. I said last week, I made the point last week, that people that are maturing in the things of God, they have a word content in them that brings their emotions under submission. But immature people who are not founded on the Word of God, and we're all that way at different times. I'm not looking at anybody thinking that. I'm saying he's just making the point. Immature people are emotional people. We all have emotions, but out-of-control emotions who are not brought, where the, the emotions are not brought under submission to the Word of God cause you to say many things out of your mouth and you say things out of your mouth that you finally begin to believe. You say you're a loser long enough, and you don't have to have loser written over your forehead. You believe it in your heart. When you lay down at night, you're a loser. Comparison, people comparing themselves to someone else. <clears throat> I mean, if, if I compare myself to Corey, stand up here, Corey, <clears throat> okay? If I compare myself to Corey, okay, some, some people at Corey's height would be intimidated by my height, right? Some people that are shorter in height could have a short person syndrome. Hmm? And, and you know what that means? That means that all their life, they're thinking, if I could have just been taller, I could have accomplished this, that, or the other if I'd have just had a little more height. No, no, no. God created each one of us differently. Why would I want to compare myself to him or vice versa? But we do, right? We do. Just get on social media for, you know, 30 seconds. Huh? If you, haven't, if you haven't been intimidated today, get on social media really quick, and you'll, the intimidation will begin to set in. And we're not supposed to do that. Immature people can't rejoice in the good of other people. They're intimidated by it, and they get moved by it, and then they make decisions regarding that. Thank you. Why would we, why would we compare ourselves one height or the other? I can't tell you how many times 
I wished I was smaller. You know, when I was working under my house, bam, you know, man, if Corey had been there, he could have walked right under the house, bam, hit my head on a two by four underneath my house, ah, you know, and I mean, oh man, it hurts and things want to come out of your mouth, hmm? opinions, emotions, but see, if we don't learn to control those things, if we don't learn how to bind and loose in our life, if we don't declare certain things out of my mouth, I don't care what my head feels like, I don't care what my back feels like, I don't care what's going on, if I don't learn to rejoice in the midst of things, not for all things, but about how good God is and how he strengthens you, he'll give you wisdom, he'll show you how not to hit your head. But you're in your emotions and you're mad and you're angry. You get out from underneath the house and you take it out on your family and everybody else. Because we're ruled by our emotions. And most of humanity are ruled by their emotions. That's why you need the Word of God. The only thing that will bring your emotions under submission is to change what you say. And the only way you change what you say is to have a daily routine where you're saying what God says is so. In a couple of weeks, on Wednesday, I've got a, <clears throat> I'm building a new daily routine sheet that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make copies of it this time and give it to you. Did I make copies last time? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Seemed like, I, seemed like we sent more in text and emails, but we did make copies. Of, but I'm going to have paper copies and pass them all out, and we're all going to do some things together with this. I'm excited about it. But he said, <clears throat> um, the thing I like about what Peter said, and you know, don't get too hyped up and excited on Peter's success here because it wasn't too much longer when he, he rebuked him and called him Satan and told him to get behind him. So there's not a whole lot of reason to get excited because you have a little bit of revelation, and that's what we do too. Because God didn't want you to lose the revelation. He wants you to build upon it. But Peter said something with assurance. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said it with absolute assurance that that's who he was. And sure enough, amen? God's showing us day by day how vital it is for us to have this assurance. Now, I just want to go through about three short passages of Scripture to confirm what it is I'm saying. And I want to look at James, James 3 and verse 2. I'm going to read it out of the New King James and then out of the New Living. He says in James 3, 2, he said, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is perfect, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Where, where are we out of control in our lives? In areas that we're out of control, he said, get your words in line. Look at the new living here. He said, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. 
Everybody say, indeed. Mm -hmm. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And that, that word perfect in every different way that you can translate, it comes from three different words in, in the Greek, but it translates out as developed and mature. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, developed, mature, and could also control ourselves in every other way. So I'm just saying to you tonight, the ability that you have, your ability to not be ugly in situations where your flesh chooses to be ugly, the ability to get free from that is in the seed of the Word. You change what you say, your actions will change because the Word will propel you to make that choice. You may, make, you may be that ugly thing another 30 times. But if you're putting the word in your mouth every day, you're doing something with the word of God and the seed of that word. He said right here, this isn't me. I'm not telling you this. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. But it works. And after 44 years of salvation, it works so amazing in, in the way I see it today. It works amazingly. Today, like I've never seen it work before, ever, ever. Because why? I just didn't quit. See, if we quit and we throw in the towel and we get frustrated with it and we give in to the frustration, it's not if you get frustrated with it, it's when you do. If you throw in the towel, then you lose the battle. And you lose what God intended for you to be on the receiving end of. And that is his goodness, his blessing, his favor, his healing, anointing, his prosperity, his deliverance, everything. He intended you and I to be on the receiving end of that. And the ability to accomplish that, he said right here, is changing the way you talk. I'll read that again. For we could control our tongues... We would be perfect or mature or developed and could also control ourselves in every other way. Done. When I look at absolutes like that, I, anymore? Done. Right now. Done. No more? Done. The same way I can sing that song that says the evidence of his goodness is all over my life. I mean, you may talk to somebody close to me and say, well, it's not all, all over your life because, you know, you know, the other day I saw a little of this and a little of that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But, but I, I'm not saying not admitting to things that need to change, but I'm, my focus and my mouth 
is on how good he is. That empowers me and puts me in that place to receive it when I need it. The other day, just something I'm working on in my life. I don't even tell you what it is. It doesn't matter. But I overcame it because the Word made me aware of it in the moment when my reaction to something would arise. Something I had a little difficulty with getting to the bottom of. But because of the Word I speak every day, the other day, it just, it just hit me. And it's like, I feel like I'll never do that again. Well, but Pastor, what if you do? Better knock on wood. Let's see, we got to get that kind of mentality out. So what if I do? I have Jesus Christ, the perfect one, that I can repent to and say, you know what? I don't know what hit me right there, but I am so aware that you don't like that. I'm so aware you don't like that in my life. I'm so aware of the fact that you don't like my reaction in that situation. But it'll never happen if you're not declaring daily the absolutes of God over your life in every area. I don't care if you where you're at, where you start. One thing, just say one thing. Because he said, he said here in this verse 2, if we could control what we say out of our mouth, we can control everything else in our bodies. No more lying. No more lust. No more greed. No more fear. No more selfishness. No more unthankfulness. Why? Because I'm, I'm substituting all of those things with the goodness of God. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing. God, I mean, I mean, it's like ten times in my walk with God, I've gotten a revelation of that. Well, man, you should have had it all the first time. No, it didn't work that way. But because I haven't quit, I have a revelation of that today that I never have to be anxious about anything ever again in my life. Here's, here's one of my confessions that I say over myself every day. I say this over myself, and then I really say it over my wife. No, I'm just eating. <laughs> no, I, I, I say this over myself. I say this over myself because I need this. This is what I say. And, and there's about three verses of Scripture that are tied to this one small confession of about 12 words. 14. I cast every care every day. 
and I worry, fret, or am anxious about absolutely nothing in the name of Jesus. I cast every care every day, I cast every care last week, every day. I cast every care every day, and I worry, fret, or am anxious about absolutely nothing. I, 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 I cannot explain to you how I truly believe I can do that every single day. I'm telling you, there are days that go by and not one worrisome thought gets a grip of me. Not one worrisome, I mean days. Not one. I didn't say they didn't come. I said, not one that I take. His word says, his word, what he gives in his word is not a suggestion to try. It's, it's not like an option that you might or you might not. It's a command. Be anxious for nothing. Who has to choose? Me. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I know today. And there was a day in my walk with God that I didn't see that absolute as being an absolute. Well, it didn't really mean that. Because, you know, stuff happens and you got to work. I mean, kind of in the back of your mind, you think those kind of things. No, not today. Why? Because I've tasted of the, of the goodness of that. That goodness of the Lord that's all over me has empowered me. And I didn't quit, and I keep going. Now, now, it seemed pretty stupid to say something like that and not expect to get all kinds of temptations and things come after you. But I need to tell you that I believe that. And I'm telling you, God's no respecter of person. And if the word of God becomes that final authority that settles everything in your life, and that's what's coming out of your mouth on a day-to-day -day basis, and the Holy Spirit is revealing the truth of that word, and it's becoming revelation, you don't have to take any care any day. And you never have to worry, fret, or be anxious about anything in life, I'm telling you, it's attainable. It's just attainable. It's absolutely attainable because he said so. And if we don't quit and we let the empowerment continue in our lives and we let the seed of the word Make those alterations and changes. Listen, I'm telling you, the ability to not worry is in the seed of the word. It's not in how hard I try.
the ability that people look for to not worry, to not fret, to not take care, to not be angry and mad and, and, and fearful and all the things in our society and in, in our life. When people are trying to, and you know, you work at it and you try and you work harder at it and you stay with it and you don't quit, and one day it becomes a revelation to you. It's when you throw the towel in that you have to keep coming back to it. And when you keep coming back to it, the enemy works overtime to discourage you, to try to convince you that it doesn't work. It works. I'm telling you, it works. I'm saying today, I am carefree. I mean, maybe a dozen things today came against my life for me to care for. And, and it's even, I've even developed a smile on my face. <laughs> no way. I'm sleeping tonight. I'm not taking the care of a thing. And you know what? When you don't take the care and you let God have the care, meaning you cast every care, because he can care for the care a whole lot better than you can care for it. And I promise you, you don't care for it well. But he'll take the care and he'll turn the whole thing around and empower you to walk the way you are supposed to walk. He doesn't walk for us, but he helps us, gives us the power, gave us his word, gave us his spirit. Man, everybody say, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Ah! Can you say amen? Well, i got to go back and get off my confessions here. Back to the word. So... <clears throat> I want to read this verse, and I'm actually going to read two verses, and I'm going to, it's in Proverbs 18, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified. I'm just going to go right to the jugular. Proverbs 18 and verse 20. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. A man's moral self shall be filled, strengthened, shall be made right by what? The fruit of his mouth. And with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. The consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. Death, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge it shall eat the fruit of it, either death or life, good or evil. So in other words, God's very clear. This isn't just one verse of Scripture. And actually, um, in Matthew 12 and 37, it says this. Jesus said, for by your words, 
you will be justified or acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned or defeated. By your words. Everybody say, by my words. Right? By my words, will I control every other thing in my life. What he said here in verse 20, a man's moral self, the way you look at yourself, the way you think about yourself, will be satisfied in good or evil. You look bad on yourself, you see yourself as worthless, a loser, never going to make it. It's a result of what you say out of your mouth. It just is. So, duh, if I don't want to feel that way and be that way, i got to change what I say. I don't have to change my circumstances. You're not going to change your circumstances. You will not. You do not have the ability to change your circumstances in your life. You will not. You're not good enough. It's in the seed of his word where the change comes from. I know it. I can testify it of it. I can testify of the goodness of God that is all over my life. The goodness of God is all over my life. How about you? How about you? How about you tonight? Come on, just, just close your eyes for a moment and begin to thank God for his goodness all over your life. Just like somebody pouring honey all over you. I mean, the goodness doesn't just come on you like water and it just dries up. Man, if it's honey on you, somebody pouring honey all over you, just get that picture right now. That's the goodness of God. I mean, it's going to stay and stick on you all over you. The goodness of God. This stuff is so real. It's so absolutely real. Death and life are not in the power of God for your life. Death and life are not in the power of the devil for your life. Death and life for your life are in the power of what you say. That's what he said. See, all through this series, I'm just going to confirm the word over and over and over and over and over again. The word saying, You change what you say, you change the outcome of your life. You know why this has to be preached so much? Because with most of us, it takes years to get this. You know why? Because 7.45, we've been in here for 45 minutes. And I'm going to preach for another hour. No. And we'll be in here for another 15 minutes or so. And by the time we leave, you will have heard some things here. But you think of all the hours in a week that you spend somewhere else. You come on Sunday. Maybe you came to the, the Galatians class, the uh, Connect Equip class. Maybe you came on Monday. That was another hour and 15 minutes. Hour and a half at the most on Sunday morning. But you think of all the hours you spend somewhere else. Now listen to me. When you come here, I promise you, you will never get milk toast and Cheerios. 
you'll never get it here. So you can be guaranteed when you walk in here, you're going to get the word. Done. Then the rest of the hours of the week, who determines what you get? You do. Let's just say of those 144 hours in the week, let's just say, that's right, right? 144? Yeah, that's right. 144 hours in a week, right? Hello. Yeah, sure it is. So the rest of those hours of the week, let's just say 50 of those hours you spent listening to the national news. How how much? Where did I get 144 from? I did did graduate from the sixth grade. Yeah. Where did I get 144 anyway? (laughs) That's a good number. That's the, that's um, the, the, uh, that's the Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah. 144,000 that'll make it to heaven, and that's it. So if, and, and I, I'm just telling you, that's what they told me. 144,000, so everybody's already been picked, so you, you're, you're going to be a servant. That's what they're, they're told. And I'm not making light of them because I've got a lot of, I've got some good friends that believe that. But I'm just saying, this Bible doesn't teach that. Anyway. Beyond the 144. Now, we're talking about the hours of the week. 168. 168 hours in a week. So you spend 50 of them with the national news. How many here? I'm talking about what you, what you purposely come to get here, okay? It, two services, it's about two and a half hours total. You get 50 hours a week of the news, and I promise you, the news will talk you out of this work. If all you do is come to church for an hour and an hour and a half, twice a week, or you just come once a week, that's even less. I promise you that the information that you choose to meditate and spend your time on, if it's not God and it's not His Word, it will talk you out of it. And I purposely judge every week that way based on hours. It's not a law to me. It's not a law. When I want to watch a movie, yeah, because I spend time with God on purpose. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I love God. And I know I can't exist without His Word and out spending time with the person of the Holy Spirit and learning how to get from Him what He wants to give me. God knows before you have need of anything, he already knows what you need. But you got to get it from him through the word and the spirit. I'm just encouraging you. If you're listening to 50 hours of the news a week, just try to cut it down to 45. You know? but replace the 45 with about 30 minutes of some other teaching. 
I promise you, man, you, you just take, you just get your big toe headed in the direction of God, he'll move toward you. I mean, he, we, we, just, we just have to just kind of act like you're going to move. I mean, he'll already start moving. Just, just act like you might listen to a, download something and listen to something for 30 minutes instead of watching the news or whatever it is. That's our part. It's our responsibility. Death and life in my life are in the power of what I say, right? And what I say is in direct correlation to what I hear. And in the 144 to 168 hours a week <laughs> that we have, <clears throat> we need to start inching our way towards more word, more of the Holy Spirit, but personally wanting it. Developing it to where it's something that you want, not something you have to do. And when it's something you want, it'll change your whole life. Change everything about what you do. And things will happen in your life when you didn't intend for them to happen because of the seed of the word working on your behalf. Favor will happen for you because of the seed of the word that's working on your behalf. Blessing and prosperity and health and healing and wholeness and changing things. Your life, things will change in, in life because of the seed of the word that's working for you. It's out there working. When we plant the word of God, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was set out to accomplish. And God said he watches over that word to see that it's performed. It's a win-win. We can't lose. We cannot lose. The only way you lose is if you don't do it or doing it, you quit. It's the only way you lose. It's a win-win. So I want to end tonight just reading this story. It's about seven verses in Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> and I want to point out two things, and I'll end with this. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in the synagogue, in, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called out to her. He called her to him and said to him, Woman! You look bad. Man, 18 years like this. Woo! You shouldn't even show yourself out in public. That's calling the way something looks as though it is. But somebody's got to have faith that's going to change it for someone else. This woman would have been the rest of her life had it not been for the faith of Jesus. Had it not been for the teaching of Jesus. Because she rose up. There was something about doing what he said because she had heard his teaching and he believed what he said. Same with us. 
Whole world, whole world is waiting on the people, the children of God rising up so that all of humanity becomes the children they were supposed to be, that God already had planned for. Not one should perish, but everybody get saved. Everybody becomes saved and born again. Amen? Now he said, woman, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So those words that he declared that he believed caused that woman to be set free. But the ruler of the synagogue answered, with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd there are six days on which men ought to work I mean this guy began to preach there are six days on which men ought to work therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day I mean this guy began to preach here was information that was going against what Jesus did trying to get people to doubt that this really wasn't real because of what he did on the Sabbath day. Religious spirit. And he said to the crowd, I'll read it again, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, and on the Sab- uh, but not on the Sabbath. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey? from the stall and lead it away to water to water it so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound think of it for 18 years he told her to think about it this lady's been bound for 18 years should she not be loosed from this bond on the sabbath now watch this watch this next statement here And when he said these things, when he said these things, when he spoke the truth, watch, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Now here's my point, and I'm done. Anybody ever had anybody against them, had words against them? People didn't like what you do or say or whatever. The more you try to justify your position, the worse it'll get. In anything that you do in life, I don't care what it is, anything that you do where you're trying and you're trying to make a difference, but you're not making the difference with God, His Word, by His Spirit. You could always come up short. But because of the Word He spoke, because of the Word, all His adversaries were put to shame. There's a truth 
that works. Watch this. I want to I tie this piece together. There's a truth that works for you if you understand how it works. And it's found in Isaiah 54. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be proven wrong. But what I've learned to understand, because I didn't understand this at first, it's become revelation to me. That passage of Scripture won't work if I'm working it against somebody else. No, that'll work because I just declare it and I thank God for it, and the seed of that works on my behalf. It, it will, it'll do what? It'll put to shame my adversaries, not because I'm trying to demean them and come against them. Somebody, somebody sets their mouth against you, then you're, they're an adversary to you. But, it's, but you can't have the attitude that I'm going to fix them. They're going to get their comeuppance, man. They're going to they're pay for what they've done to me. Now you've just become like them. And I tell you what, first time I ever heard anybody say something like that, I thought, you can believe that if you want. Next guy I heard say that, I said, well, whatever. Next guy I heard say that, maybe there's something to that. Next guy I heard say that, hmm. Then I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you've been using that passage of Scripture against people. He says, it's not against people. I said there that I am your advocate. I am your attorney is actually what that word means. I'm the one doing the work for you. See, if I'm, if I'm in a court case and I'm sitting at a table in, in a courtroom and I have an attorney, that attorney's doing the work. He's representing me, but he's doing the work. God's doing the work through his word if we'll let him. That way, I can spend my days loving people no matter what. I care what they say, what they do, and nothing else. I can love people. And when I'm loving people and, that, and passages of Scripture are working like that, I say that all the time. I speak it over myself, my family, this church body. You're a part of this church. I speak that over you every day. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment will be shown to be in the wrong. They will be. Because that's a good thing because people, if they're coming against people created in the image of God then, God, then God can't work for them. So that needs to be stopped, needs to be exposed. They need to be shown that they're wrong. But not me with that vindictive attitude against them. It doesn't work. I'm telling you today, it doesn't work. When you get yourself all wrapped up, in what other people are doing instead of staying focused on what God's saying to you. Huh? I'm not living in some little bitty fishbowl where all I'm focused on is what, you know, this one, oh, this one's doing this, and oh my God. And I'm not living in that kind of a fishbowl. I refuse. God has too much to do on the planet, and he wants people's lives liberated and set free. I'm not living there. I refuse to. And I'm telling you today, 
when we stay connected to God's word and we let that word be the final authority that settles everything in us, and to do that, I have to have that word on a daily basis, coming in my ears, coming out of my mouth, to a place where I am meditating. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, I just don't have time to do that. No, you, you don't have time not to do it. I promise you. I'm not saying it takes 15 hours a day or 144 hours a week. <laughs> God will take five minutes. God will do so much in five minutes, you, you, he'll, he'll blow your hair back. It's not the amount of time, it's the quality of time. My encouragement, the word of God are the keys that unlock success in everything that you do.